to ever believe in white privilege, you basically are saying you're a loser. Yes. You believe somebody is better than you because they're white. Yeah. So now what's the solution? Uh, you stop being lit so that I can feel okay about myself? That means I'm a loser. All right. No, my skin color has never hindered anything in my life. I actually gotten some extra little privileges just for being black. <laughs> Let's keep it a <laughs> Welcome to the Father State. I am Destiny Peterson. The Father State is on Patreon, so click the Patreon link in that little description to support our work. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Very, very. Mama mia, what la si senor. Glushes lady with us today. I have with me Bevelyn Beatty, a Christian activist and co-founder of At The Well Ministry. Bevelyn, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jesse. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, I, I, you have a, a uh, ministry called Well at the Well Ministry. Are you a pastor? No. And tell me about your ministry. How did you get it started and why? So, we came up with the name At the Well because of that story with uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah. She was a woman full of sin. Um, she had five husbands. I mean, she just, she was depraved and depressed. I mean, in sin, right? And she has this encounter with the Messiah, right? Um, and so after this encounter, she runs and she tells the city and she's actually in the Bible, the, one of the first evangelists to go out and tell everybody, come and see about this man in Samaria. And they're like, listen, at first we believed your report, but after meeting this man for ourselves, we know this is he is the messiah so the inspiration was just behind that you know we were i, I was a, a broken woman who uh had an encounter with the lord and so was my best friend and we just decided you know we're going to hit the streets and just evangelize and just kind of keep it organic and simple but really just share jesus you say you were broken how did you become broken well i mean it's a series of things i mean i wasn't raised a christian oh um yeah, my father was a five percenter. And I mean, he kind of he was born in 64. So his his prime years was like, you know, rock him, hip hop culture. He was from uh, Brooklyn. Then he moved to Staten Island. So, I mean, he was like the guy with like the high top fade, the big dookie <laughs> gold chain, things like that. Yeah. And then my mother was like the salt and pepper chick, you know, the little asymmetrical cut, things like that. And they just kind of I believe I was raised at a time where I came in around a time where our community was basically we were we were headed towards this hip hop era and all like the moralistic foundation was just kind of gone. And so we just was raised wild. You know, yeah. our parents were young. They weren't thinking. And it, I just kind of got brought up in that. So I believe that played a huge part in me being broken. Amazing. And so uh, have you forgiven them for that? Yes. Um, so the crazy thing is this. I've been a daddy's girl since the day I was born. Yeah. No matter what he did, I just, I don't know, it was in my DNA. I loved him. I loved him to the day he passed away. And um, he was, he tried his best. You know, my dad, one thing I love about my dad is even though he wasn't saved, he had what I needed, which was that male structure. Yeah. That male leadership. He has something to grasp at, you know? And I feel like if I didn't have him, I would be a little bit more wayward. Yeah. And understanding just like how to submit and subdue it and just respect. You know what I mean? I swear my mom, you know, we've had our differences and things like that, but 
even though she's not saved now, I forgive her. And my heart is that she gets to that place. It's challenging, though, at times because we, we, we kind of go through the same circles. Yeah. But I just have to bite the bullet and realize, you know, I had to be forgiven. So I got to forgive them and move forward. Not easy, yeah. but I got to. And so but have you gone to her and said, hey, uh, mother, I'm sorry for resenting you for the way you raised me, whatever your trip is. I realize now that we all fall in sin and we can, you can help it. Have you told her that? I told my, I think it, it came about in a conversation where we were talking about something in uh, the past. And I think my mom got defensive and I had to stop her. And I said, mom, when I, we talk about stuff, I'm not here to accuse you. Yeah. Or, or anything and I'm gonna tell you I, I'm glad that you're my mother and if I could have rewind time I would have still picked you um and I love you you know but we still have to discuss things and grow and heal yeah you know so that was the best way I could express what you just said I got you and so one day you decide you know what I'm gonna be an activist what got you going in that what made you decide to do that well the initial thing was the gospel we knew that um, the command was to go and to disciple the nations yeah. and to occupy until he come. This is the word, right? So, I mean, we started off just praising and worshiping in public. And then we started doing homeless ministry. And then it became more so interpersonal evangelism. Um, but what really activated the fire was when Governor Cuomo legalized full-term abortion in New York. Yeah. Now, mind you, we had already been trained by Ken and Joe Scott, who's a part of that core I was just telling you about. Yeah. Rusty, Amazing folks. For them. Yeah. Those the, yes. So those are the ones who taught us how to be radical. So we, we, we gleaned from them. We had it in us. We wanted it. But they taught us. Right. But we didn't really activate it on our own until Governor Cuomo did that. When he lit up <laughs> that, uh, you know, what I'm saying? Empire State Building pink. Oh, yeah. Man, I felt like he stuck a knife in my stomach. Me, I would never forget me and I was sitting in my car. And we were like, we couldn't believe it. I guess for us, we knew a child and a baby would die. But the reality that he just legalized nine months. Yeah. He was like, oh, no, this is a state of an emergency. We got to go. We, we got we to gotta go tearing heads off because this is crazy. So we just <laughs> went to the abortion clinic, like flip. This is murder. Repeat. I mean, <laughs> we turned into crazy white people. <laughs> Crazy white people. <laughs> real quick, real quick. That's amazing. You, I, I think I read somewhere that you you had abortions before, right? Yes, three. Three abortions. Why three? What 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 made you have three of them? Well, the crazy thing is, my first abortion I had when I was fifteen, and again, my dad wasn't saved, and he found out I was pregnant, so he, you know, made me go get that abortion. Um, and I believe, and I understood his intent, though I, I knew it wasn't right. Like now, especially I know it wasn't right, but I guess in his own way, he was trying to protect me, um, which didn't help at all. But I think that first abortion is Pandora's box. Yeah. It does something to a woman. Once you, once you, once you do the first one, it kills something in you. And it also opens up a spiritual realm in you and, and, and demons can literally enter. And I believe I had taken on the spirit of Jezebel after that time, and I'll never forget the night before I got the abortion, my dad told me, you know, these men are not nothing. They ain't going to never be nothing. They don't care about you. They just want to use you. And he said, I ain't S-H-I-T, so I know they ain't S-H-I-T. Wow. And I was ashamed that I embarrassed my dad like that. And 
also I felt like what he was saying was true because actually the guy I was pregnant by, he was already moved on to another girl. Yeah. So uh, when I got that abortion, I, I basically took in all of that he said, but it, it put in this Jezebel spirit. And at the same time, it now made, I was numb yeah. to it. So now going to get an abortion was an errand. Amazing. And so after the third one, how do you feel? Do you feel guilty? How do you feel about that? Now, well, yeah, how did you feel about it after the third one? And how do you feel about it now? What do you think about it? I think the guilt didn't hit for me until I became a Christian. And I I had to come to acknowledgement of my sins. Yeah. And I had to repent of them. Um, but I never didn't think abortion was wrong. I never was that. It, like, you know, don't lie to yourself. Like, at least if you in sin, you in sin. I never in my mind tried to, like, justify, okay, this is okay. God thinks it's okay. No, I knew it was sin. I made an excuse to sin, but it never changed. It never negated the fact that it was sin. Yeah. So when I came to this point of repentance, I knew that was something I had to repent of, along with millions of other things that I did. So um, I feel like, you know, the guilt sometimes had to creep in, but then I had to stand on his promises. I had to remember there's no condemnation in him. Yeah. I had to remember. That he washed me clean and I, I had to stay there and i mean now uh i will tell anybody yeah i got three abortions and I, i'm ashamed that i had them yeah. but i'm not ashamed to tell you my mistake so that you know not to make the same mistake and don't act like oh you could speak especially those who never had an abortion you can never speak on what happens after that but i could tell you right now it's the biggest mistake you could ever make and if i could rewind time i would have never did that and so do you are you married now no. Do you would you like to be married and have a family, have kids and things? Sure. Oh good. Right on. You need I want you to have a whole bunch of babies. We need a bunch of Bevelins. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get married first. That's right. Once I get married, then we could pop them out. Absolutely. So you've been doing some incredible things with Black Lives Matter and all that. What's your impression of how do you see Black Lives Matter group, the group itself? How do you see them? They're demons. Demons. Those are demonically possessed, demonically influenced people. Uh, the women who started it, um, they are witches. Let's be very clear. Um, they defy God. They don't care about God or Jesus. They could care less about even Black lives. They made it very clear that they're Marxist. Yeah. Um, I feel like they, they are a direct threat to Black people. And black people don't know it because black people so easily emotional. Oh, black lives matter. I mean, okay, yeah, all right, black lives matter. But if you go into your own neighborhood, you won't express that same energy. Yep. Let's be honest, because you will shoot your own. <laughs> let's be clear in a millisecond. So I mean, for me, it's like okay, you hear the statement, you want to black like no type of, of research on what these women are talking about. These women are demonically possessed dogs. And y'all are listening to them. And now because y'all listening to them, we're now dying in the streets more. Yeah. And if not, the men are sleeping with other men. It's just, it's, it's demonic on every level. A lot of black preachers are not speaking out against Black Lives Matter. They seem to be very quiet and not pointed out because a lot of the other blacks, if they heard the preachers denouncing them and said what it is, uh, I had them on my show before and they, they admitted to being a, uh, 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 a bunch of lesbians as well, mm -hmm. fat, black, radical lesbians, right? Communist, socialist. Why? You, why do you think other black preachers are not saying, th speaking out about it? First and foremost, platform. 
preachers they don't they they depend on them tithes and offerings <laughs> and black people are very sensitive yeah if you don't stand with that wait a minute a couple may not be paying off for no more putting in that offering plate that ties <laughs> I even step up out of that church. And since that's your bread and butter, you're not going to speak on it. But then let's also be very clear. This is God to a lot of black people. They believe black died on the cross for them. Yes. This is God. So even with the gospel, I mean, they could tell you black lives matter, but we want men to get hit in the butt by other men forever. Oh, but black lives matter. Black lives matter, but two plus two equals 34. Black Lives Matter, because this is their God. The gospel is irrelevant. Truth is irrelevant. This is their God. That's amazing. That is so true. When you try to explain that to them, what type of response do you get from them? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of times, um, it, when I'm explaining it to them, they have no choice but to receive what I'm saying. Yeah. Because I'm going to call a spade a spade. And I'm also going to call their intent. Because if you're telling me, no, that's not the case, I'm going to say you're a liar. You're not being honest with yourself right now. Because the reality is this goes against the word of God. And you say you're a Christian. So now I'm going to bring the word to you. And now what they stand for totally is against the Bible. So who who you worshiping? And a lot of times they get offensive. They get upset. But the reality is, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I deal with online trolls. I don't even think someone will be bold enough to step to me with that argument because yeah. come on, what what argument do you have? <laughs> the word is going to kill that, especially if you say you're a Christian. I'm going to annihilate right. you. Right, absolutely. Last July, I saw this video of you uh, painting uh, on the streets there, Black Lives Matter mural in front of the Trump Tower, and I wonder they're in New York, and I wonder what is she thinking right now? What is when you were doing that, were you afraid? Uh, what made you decide to take a bucket of paint and go out and do that? Okay. Um, it The way we did it was my best friend's idea. But the motivation behind it was, I'll tell you, I think, was it three days? Three, three or four days before um, that happened, my cousin was in Staten Island, and he got into a shootout. Now, understand. My dad, come like my cousins and my family members, all been to jail, gangsters, uh, the stuff that these rappers rap about. Yeah. I have family members that live this. You know what I'm saying? So for him to be out in Staten Island in a shootout, you know, I've heard constant things about that's normal. If he's there, shootout, okay, typical him. Right now, in this instance, he gets shot in his legs. He almost dies. Right, and my thing is, Black Lives Matter will raise hell and havoc when a white cop kills a black man yeah but now there is pungent black on black crime okay and nobody's saying nothing and now because of this black lives matter thing and this looted thing crime in new york had went up 200 percent. yeah so now it's like i'm getting phone calls of personal family members that are being affected because this is literally lit on the streets so for me i'm just like that i felt like the democrats and Black Lives Matters was working together to say, you know what? We're going to get rid of the police because we know those ignorant niggas. They're going to kill themselves. That's what they do. They ain't monkeys. They ain't. Yeah. So this is what we're going to I believe that was that initial part. <laughs> and then they just put a finesse up. So now I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to expose you for who you really are. So that's where the paint came from. And that was the motive. Amazing. And true. so I saw the cops restraining you. Did you know that? 
were you like, did you think they were against you at the time or they're just doing their job? Well, the cops knew what I was going to do before I did it. Oh, they did? Mm-hmm. I went with me and Emmy went up to the station and we'll make, we met a cop that will remain nameless. Right. And we told them that we what we were going to do. We told them we wanted to stand with you and we wanted to honor with you, honor you. And so we are going to go and represent you. And the crazy part is that cop has said she was on the phone with her mother the night before. And they were praying together. And then the cop was like, Mom, where's the church? Where are the people of God to stand against this? Now, yeah. my mother's cop is black. This is a black cop. And so then we came the next day. She was like, wow, like this is an answered prayer. So we told her we were going to tell the chief. She said, no, 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 no. Don't tell my chief. Just go <laughs> do what you got to do. And when you're done, we got you. We're going to take care of you. Oh, amazing. So, Perfect. Mm-hmm. That is cool. And you were chanting refund the police. That was mm-hmm. bright. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> refund the police. No, no, no. Now check this out. The black people at first, they were clapping because they thought I was like <laughs> trying to make another protest for them. Yeah. But when the guy heard refund the police, he was like, F you, F yeah. you, F you. And then he tells the cop, arrest her. So the same ones <laughs> that's talking about defund the police is now like, arrest her. And the cops was like trying not, they were trying to give me as much time as possible so I can get as much paid. But they ended up arresting me. That is amazing. So did, did they end up charging you with anything or did they just let you yeah. go? Oh, yeah. So they, they charged me with criminal mischief, but uh, Mayor de Blasio was calling up there and he was trying to get them to charge me with a higher charge so that I would have to get bailed out or like sent to Rikers Island. But what they would do is they hung up the phone on him. They would not pick up the phone for him. And they said, no, you're leaving out of here with a desk appearance ticket. They rushed my paperwork. When I said me, me and Emmy were out of there by seven o'clock and they actually gave, we got word about other murals that were not protected. Yeah. In New York. And we hit a couple of those, too, that night. Oh, did you? We sure did. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, according to the New York Post, oh, yeah, the New York Post reported that uh, you did it twice more that day in Harlem and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And did you get, were people attacking you about that? With a cross? Also, 100%. When we was in Brooklyn, we almost got attacked by some guys. They were sitting out there drinking. And when we came and they seen us pouring paint on the murals, I mean, they started to come. They were so aggressive. They almost hit us. But we got out of there in time. Yeah. Um, and we and we tried to tell them, like, wake up. They're, you're being used. Wake up, you know. Um, but we got flack. I mean, we got flack regardless. Yeah. So yeah. they did charge us. So we are fighting that case right now for Bro- the Brooklyn one. We're fighting that now. But the other ones got dismissed. Oh, good. Amazing. <laughs> I uh, My son used to live in Brooklyn and... He he got took his family and got out of there, and they did it right in time too. Because as soon as they moved, that's when the whole Black Lives Matter thing started, the Chinese virus started. So he was blessed to get out. Of, he and his wife and children out of New York in perfect timing. Thank you, Lord. I know it's Thank amazing. You, um, I did to Tennessee. I'm sorry. I did too. I moved to Tennessee. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. You like it down there? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I um I know that you were attacked a lot on social media, but you also got a lot of support, right? I got a lot of support. I feel like, I mean, the amount of attacks that I was getting, it was no comparison to the support I got. And I feel like the more they attacked, the more supporters they brought my way. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so many people just felt like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air 
uh, finally someone gets what we've been trying to say and express. Um, and I mean, they just felt encouraged to just do what I did and stop, you know, oh, I'm white. I can't say that. I'm like, no, it, you being white means nothing. Truth is truth. Say what you have to say. You don't apologize for being white or, or whatever. Truth is truth, you know? So yeah. we got, we got a lot of support for that. Amazing. You were, I know you, you, you talk, you were a liberal at one time and then you met this person that introduced you to God. Um, what did your liberal friends think of you once you stopped thinking and being that way? Well, they're not my friends no more. <laughs> <laughs> they not. How about this? I'll say this. They will never come out and outwardly support me, but a lot of them watch what I'm doing. Yeah. They watch me, and they keep eyes on me. And I believe the Lord is doing something because I'm consistent, Yeah. and I think that means something. Um, but for them, it's like they're still caught up in... You know, when you, when you, we, liberals, the, the trap with liberalism is this. You want to please everybody. You do what is socially okay and what you think fits the bill to be cool. And so a lot of them just are really insecure and really don't know a way out. And of course, because of what they watch and what they hear, they're like indoctrinated in yeah. it. And so, I mean, I don't know what it'll take, but I'll tell you now, you know, um, we can't, when we get together, it's like, oil and vinegar because yeah. I'm on kingdom time and they on the world. It just doesn't work. That's amazing. Uh, what do you think of the great white hope? Donald Trump. I love the great white hope. <laughs> I love the great white hope. And, and I'm actually, go ahead. Sorry. No, finish your point. I'm actually really in mourning for, um, I was praying for him this morning and I just like, you know, so sad is that they forget that he's a human too. And he made a decision to serve the Lord in truth. Yeah. And I mean, when you when you when you want that type of platform, when everybody feels like you just you just a target, but they don't realize the type of weight you have to take. And so we really prayed for him this morning because I'm like, yo, they really they they want to slaughter this. It's like a demonic hatred yeah. against this man for doing right. But Trump is it. Trump is solid. Pence folded. Pence yeah. is a chump. Okay, <laughs> a, a lot of the Republican Party folded. Yeah. They were fake and they were phony, but Trump was the realest from the beginning to the end. Yes, period. I have. I was telling my staff and talking about on my radio show this morning. The only other man that I know went through what the president is going through, and even to a greater degree, was Jesus Christ. Come on, <laughs> come on, and. And I was, I said to my staff that if these people could put a cross on the president's back and make him walk down the street in Washington, D.C. in blood, they would do they it to would, him. would do it. They would do it. I've never they seen would, anything oh, like this. You might make me cry. Let's stop. Because it's like, that's, it's cruel. Bro. It sure is. It, where, where, where is the thought of a person like that's some that's cruel and wicked? And I mean, they don't just want to get him out of office. They want to embarrass him. They want to take his money. They want I mean, for really him stepping up, telling the truth and being obedient to the Lord, yeah. the world will be that cruel. And, and people don't understand you still chasing black and white as if color's going to mean anything. Yeah. There's an agenda. The devil has a communist agenda against everybody. And when they come here for us, they're not going to be like, okay, you black, you safe. <laughs> oh, okay, you white, you Spanish, you safe. They're coming for everybody. And this man really was genuine from beginning to end in yes. a wall, really, against this globalist agenda. Yes. And it just it breaks my heart. But I I'm just, I'm trusting in the Lord because I genuinely feel this man's pain. Genuinely. 
I uh, I weep for him on the inside as well. And, you know, I've been on Earth for 71 years, and I just never see any human being treated this way. It's worse than slavery, the way the people act like slavery was. It's worse than anything you can think of. And I and I was thinking this morning, I wish I can talk to the president to see well, what he's thinking and how he's feeling about this on the inside. Because he seemed to be dealing with it so perfectly. It's amazing to see him deal with it. The average Republican, the average man would have folded already. Look at Mike Pence. Yeah, look at, yeah, Mike Pence couldn't even handle talking about the situation. He just turned his back on the president right away. It was amazing. But this man is enduring evil. I, re- I heard a report this morning that the bank, some of the banks wanted to take his money out. Want him to take Distance his himself. Distance himself from him. Millions of dollars. Yes. Yes. And also, when he leaves the presidency, seat, people in New York ready to sue. They, want to, they literally want to strip this man of everything he got. And you know what's so crazy? You say that the word the Lord gave me is something so profound. And I mean, some Christians may not understand this, but Trump is God's son. Yes. And they absolutely. Forget. They forget. Yeah. And God loves his children. Yeah. He loves Amazing. He, loves he got Trump. You are absolutely he, right. I, it, this morning I talked about the fact that Donald Trump is, is God's son and that God loves his children and you can't mess with his children like this. And these people think that they're getting away with something. They're trying to get revenge on the son of God. They don't <laughs> realize that they're digging a hole for themselves. They don't know what they're oh, doing. Speak, boy, you prophesying. That's the Haman. <laughs> it's the hey, they, the noose that Haman hung. He's going to hang on himself. Yeah. Gonna, you can't touch God's anointed thing. And then right, you know what the enemy do. Yeah. He's the type. He's going to run his mouth. But we all know who the boss really is on the throne. Yeah. And we're going to keep waiting and we're going to see, but we're going to keep interceding and standing in prayer. And for those black folk, I'm talking to y'all who actually wish this type of hurt on him. Yeah. This is why y'all go through what y'all go through. Cause you reap what you sow. You, 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 your hatred and your anger for someone just because you don't like the way they look. Yeah. You accuse somebody of being racist. That's why we dying in the streets right now. That's why our babies are being murdered and slaughtered. Yeah. They're not even reproducing as much as we're supposed to be. So y'all keep wishing bad on this man. You're going to read what you sow. You're going to hang on the same noose you wish he was on. That's right. It's unfortunate. I don't know if it's unfortunate or not, but it's amazing to me that you can hate someone so much that you cannot see that you are hanging yourself. You can't see. It looked like something would say to them, this is wrong. I'm taking this too far. I need to just stop it. I don't agree with the man, but I'm not going to try to destroy him to this point. But it, in your, it's just mind-blowing. It's, on one hand, it's fascinating to see evil try to destroy someone like this because mm-hmm. I have total faith that the president will recover. This will mm-hmm. not destroy him because he's a son of God. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's fascinating for the world to see him going through this, even though it's painful but to see him overcome. And I believe mm-hmm. a lot of people will see that there is a God, and this is mm-hmm. what happens when you love God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think 100%. he'll recover from it. I believe so. I believe um, not only is he going to recover, but he's going to get seven times what the enemy stole from him. Yes. Um, he's never going to miss a meal. 
What they want to see him bare, broken, naked, naked. Satan will never get that pleasure. Right. And to what you said about this hatred thing, actually, I was just talking about this in a call with my secretary this morning because she was like, you know, a lot of people that don't like you or watch your show. Right. Yeah. And so she said a lot of things that I'm saying right now is going to get a lot. I'm going to get a lot of trolls and flag like that, but I'm used to that. Right. But what I couldn't understand is that how can a person not like someone? But still watch what they're doing. Yeah. Like me, if I don't like you, baby, you you non-existent over here, baby. I'm going where I like you. That's right. I just, the mindset to it's like player hating has become normal. Yeah. Back in the days, that was whack. You're yeah. a hater. Like, why are you hating for? Right. But now it's like this internet culture. It's just like, oh, we could play hate. It's normal. I'm gonna watch you because I hate you. No, <laughs> you you're insecure. You really love me, but you can't take me, so you gotta watch me. You know, it's just it's sad. They hate him so much, but they're really envious and jealous of Trump. Let's be honest. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I wish all people could see that we can disagree, but we don't have the right to hate our fellow man, no matter what, right? It, it, we are supposed to even love our enemies. And especially if we are sons and daughters of God, we have no other choice but to love our enemy. We deal with the enemy, but we don't hate the enemy. And a That's lot right. of blacks say that they are Christians. They hoop and holler. They go to church. They lift up holy hands. But yet they hate. They hate. How can what's in their mind that make them think that they can love God, but they can hate human beings? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But Jesus said, many will come in my name yeah. saying, but I raised my hands and I praised you. I did this. I did that. He's going to say, get away from me. I never knew you. What What do you think about this idea of white privilege? Do you believe something like that exists? No, I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> white privilege. Oh, okay, so because he's white, he's going to get more than me. Right. I got more money than a lot of white people. What is that? <laughs> That's right. That's amazing. It's amazing what they the enemies of good come up with. The enemy make up all kinds of stuff just to keep your attention on evil so you don't uh, focus on God. They keep you away from God by making up this stuff, white privilege and, and racism. When God said that our battle is a spiritual battle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and pers uh, and pers uh, wickedness in high places. High places. But yeah, the, the Christians are going around thinking that it's about white people or white privilege or, or, or something like that. And the, and the generations are suffering. Losers. That's what that's a loser mind. To ever believe in white privilege, you basically are saying you're a loser. Yes. You believe somebody is better than you because they're white. So now, really, what they're, what they're, they're it's like, you ever heard that scripture, so a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Absolutely. So now I can say, Jesse, you think you're better than me. No. You think I'm better than you. That's, that's right. That's why you would come up with that. Yep. That's white privilege. That's deep. Absolutely deep, amazing. I, uh, I, I, uh, I was just interviewing a, a young lady before you, and I've asked this a lot. I always hear black people say white people are superior. They think they are superior, right? But I never meet white people who say, "Oh, I'm superior. I think I'm superior." But so I ask black people now, why do you think white people are superior? I never hear white people say, "I'm superior to blacks." But blacks have this mentality. They think that white people are superior to them. And you made the point. It's not what white people are thinking about 
themselves like that. The blacks are thinking that, and they believe. Saint has them believing that that's what white people are thinking. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's sick. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a concept. It's a slavery mind that they didn't leave back in those times of slavery. Yeah. And they accepted Christ, but they didn't say they're like the, um, Israelites who came from Egypt. They, at, at times when things got tough and they didn't understand, they were ready to go back to Egypt. They were ready to get back their leeks and onions, but they, they had a slave mind. You know what I mean? And I believe that has been rooted in our culture. Yes. Unfortunately, and seen as normal, but it's like, I don't think they take the time to utilize common sense. If I say <laughs> you have white privilege, your life is better than mine because you're white. I'm basically saying I don't have privilege. My life is harder than yours because I'm black. Yeah. So now what's the solution? Uh, you stop being lit so that I can feel okay about myself. That means I'm a loser. All yeah. right. No, my skin color has never hindered anything in my life. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I actually got some extra little privileges just for being black. Let's keep it a hundred. So, I don't, That's I right. that. I'm sorry. <laughs> for real. Amazing. I grew up in Alabama under on a, on a plantation and under the Jim Crow laws. And when I was growing up, black people were not complaining like this and carried on like this. They worked hard. They had families for the most part. Uh, black people at the time knew that even with the Jim Crow thing, they knew it wasn't all people, all white people. They knew that our battle was spiritual. And so they treated everyone, for the most part, the way they would like to be treated. Um, mm-hmm. I, my aunt, one of my aunts, and I have a whole truckload of them, got married and she and her husband bought Buku land. And they had like 17, 18, 19 children, and all of them went to college, and they are, you know, are doing their things now. When I never imagined thinking that I couldn't make it in life because I was taught to work, to treat people right, and I never thought that the white man was better than me. I was deceived for a minute when I moved to L.A. I listened to Jesse Jackson, all those people lying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I believed into that. Right, and I believed into that for a minute, but I asked God to forgive me for that, and I went back to my <laughs> normal self. <laughs> but I never thought anyone was better or less than me, and uh-huh. I couldn't make it because I was always taught to work and take care of myself. And it's mm-hmm. unfortunate to see men, especially black men and women, but especially men thinking that other people are better than them to a point that they don't even try. They have to take it from someone rather than earning it, and they have no shame about it. Mm. Mm. I mean, they don't have no fathers. Yeah. Lyndon Bain Johnson. And I mean, even before that, I feel like the civil rights movement, um, that opened up Pandora's box in a, in a, in a bad way. Yeah. I felt before that, the family structure was strong. And I mean, it seemed as if in our oppression, we were the strongest we ever been. Yes. I, I tightly on the Lord. Yep. And we understood family structure. We knew how to stick together. And I believe, I, I, I always stand by this. If I go to you, Jesse, and I'm like, I'm beautiful, you need to acknowledge it. <laughs> you need to respect me and acknowledge you need to do it now. I think I'm gonna be clanging drums. You feel me? <laughs> but if now I myself set that standard for myself, yeah. ne- rather than demanding it from you, inevitably it's gonna rep what it you know what I'm saying? It's gonna come about. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I believe because we were so busy trying to fight to be equal 
we lost sight of being solid within one another. Yes. I want to sit with whiteness. Uh, yeah. Well, I got to sit in back. Doesn't mean that it didn't, doesn't mean that the enemy didn't have an agenda to make you feel less than. But I believed if we would have just let the Lord work through that, it would have strengthened us in a new way. And it would have just, we, I mean, we, we could have been powerful people in this country. We could have. I've been saying for a long time, one of the biggest mistakes that happened to black people, whether it was intentionally or not, intentional or not, is the civil rights movement, so-called civil rights movement. They should have never done that. And then people mm -hmm. of God, all races would have come together naturally, and the children of the lie of Satan would have, would have been together naturally. And this country would be amazing today. But they divided the country with that rather than uniting it. So mm -hmm. you I, got you got stabbed or something, right? What happened? So um, we were at Harry's, which is a well-known conservative like restaurant pub, and we were there watching the election. And of course, we were there until Harry's closed because this is in D.C. Because um, the election, of course, was way longer than it should have. <laughs> um, so uh, we start walking up the block, and where Harry's is near, like the White House. And so that whole area was like blocked off because the Trump Trump Tower was like a block over. Right. So they had that whole area blocked off because he was there. And so um, we start walking up the block and we're still watching uh, Trump's live stream, trying to figure out what's going on because it was like, what's, what's happening with the election? And so um, we end up stopping and sitting on a stoop. Um, and as we're sitting on the stoop, one of my friends was like, hey, Trump's about to make an announcement. So we're all tuned in. But I looked across the street, and the way the, the block was set up, it was like a triangular block and then another block parallel to it. So we were in, we ended up at the stoop on the corner where you couldn't see us across the street. So we, I see this old white dude. He had to be like 60, 70 years old. He had a suit on and a red tie, so I knew he was coming from like some type of political event or something like that. Of course, we're in D.C. And he's on his phone. And he's walking. He's not paying attention. I think he was kind of sipping a little bit because he was like in La La Land. Right. And so he's walking, and I'm watching three young black kids trail behind him. Now, a lot, a lot of people going to say this is racist, but I'm going to call it spade a spade. The reality is they looked like they was not supposed to be there. Let's be a hundred. <laughs> and I knew where they came from because BLM had just had a rally on Black Lives Matter Plaza. And so what happens is all of the kids, all the young, you know, kids from the other side of town, from the other neighborhoods now come to the downtown D.C. area where we was at by the White House. And so now they're, they're, they're you know, they're trailing this guy. And like, of course, the guy's walking. He's not paying attention. So then the kids kind of walk past him. He still doesn't see it. He's not paying attention. Right. And so then they turn around and they circle around him, three of them. And when I seen that, I knew. I'm like, oh, okay, they about to, because he knew that, but we know what Black Lives Matter's on. And yeah, I was actually yeah. with four or five Proud Boys that night. It was five of us and I think two young ladies and me. Um, and so, and again, I, I'll be honest, before we started, before we left Harry's and started like walking around to kind of waste time to find out what's going on with the election, a couple of the Proud Boys had guns on them and everything. They put them in their car. They took their Trump flags off. They put them in their car. They were not looking for smoke. No one was looking for an issue. And usually they're my security. Right. Okay. But they were not. We just we were just hanging out and walking socially and trying to and waste basically on our phones trying to figure out what's happening. Okay. When we seen that across the street, we knew what it was.
So we go across the street and we tell the boys, you need to stop, leave this man alone. And I said to one of the kids, you need to leave this man alone in the name of Jesus. He said, I'm a Muslim anyway. <laughs> this is what he said to me. What the? I said, oh. Well, I'm like, well, in any way, it doesn't matter. Leave this man alone. Stop it. Yeah. Now, mind you, these kids, one of the kids was like, he was so angry. And he was like, yeah, I've been waiting for this all night. Come to find out they got empty Hennessy bottles in their bags. They got knives. Why are you walking around with empty bottles and knives? Yeah. Yeah. And so what happened that night was I was attacked along with four other innocent people because really they wanted that white dude. They had nothing to do with me. We got in their way. And I pray. I know that a life was spared that night because of it, because it could have been worse yeah. if we wasn't there. But what happened last night was the <laughs> left the ghetto <laughs> and it filtered into where they BLM really wanted to be. Yeah. And these were young black kids you think they cared about the fact that I was black? No. You think it mattered? These BLM kids all day. They wasn't even Antifa. They was BLM kids. <laughs> and yet. I, and when I say this word, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not speaking on color. Right. I'm speaking on the ignorance that these kids just, it was like demonic. Like the, the, the desire for blood. It was absolutely demonic. Okay, and these kids attacked us, and I ended up being stabbed three times in my back. And at that point, I was at the hospital. My lung was punctured. Um, I don't even know how I got to the hospital. Somehow, the, the roads were blocked off. All of a sudden, a car pulls up and puts me in the car, and I'm hearing one of my friends say, I'm stabbed in the neck, I'm stabbed in the neck. Now, mind you, before we sat on the stoop, I'm talking to this young proud boy, and he's telling me he's not saved. So I'm explaining to him, you know, what the relationship with Christ is like, because he grew up in the South. So he's thinking it's all religion, stuff like that. So I'm trying to break down, no, there's a component of relationship, and there's a living God, and you can experience it for yourself, yada, yada, yada. So now, boom, when we go across the street, and he's in the midst of trying to stop these guys, when I hear someone say I'm stabbing the neck, it sounded like him. I thought it was him. So when I get in the car, I hear the guy that said he was stabbed in the neck get in the back seat. So now while we're in the car, I'm just praying over my wounds and I'm just leaking blood, leaking. And um, um, the guy that's driving us is trying to find out where the nearest hospital is. And I say to the guy, I said, listen, you need to repent of your sins right now. It's time repent to the Lord now. If you don't know Jesus, it's time to repent. Because I, I remembered having a conversation with someone who didn't know Christ. Right. I thought it was him that got stabbed in the neck. So I'm like, I'm thinking I'm about to die because I'm bleeding <laughs> so much. He's about to die. He got stabbed in the neck. I know I'm going to heaven. So I'm like, well, let me make sure you get in too, bro, before we get out of here. Because it's looking like it's KO. So <laughs> I'm for real. Like, you, sound, you sound like the guy on the cross that was next to Jesus. And he recognized Jesus. And Jesus said, uh -huh. all right, you come on in and tell the other guy to go the other way. But <laughs> and so why you had these three stout wounds in your back. You thought enough of this guy to tell him that. I'm not going to let somebody go to hell, bro. Right? Hell is real. Hell is real. There is a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. And it is final. It's final. There's no, you can't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not on my watch. I'm not going to just sit and watch somebody go to hell. They're going to at least have an opportunity to accept salvation because that would be selfish of me. That's amazing. And so were you in pain at a did it, were you feeling pain or just the blood coming out at that moment? Blood, 
you don't even when you get like I, stabbed i don't even think you feel like that the knife pierced into you it felt like weight it didn't, i didn't feel the knife but i felt weight on my back um and it actually didn't hurt until afterwards yeah. and like all i felt was a warm liquid coming out so it just i knew it was bad because i'm feeling this warm liquid rushing out of my back yeah. you know what i mean so i mean it it luckily by the time I got to the hospital, they had a tube in my lung, um, patched me up. I prayed. I was actually praying over my back to stop the ble bleeding. By the time we got to the hospital, the bleeding had stopped. So they just quickly patched me up. Somehow, some way, my my wounds had sealed itself. They didn't even have to sew, um, stitch them together. And now they just had to clean out my lung because my entire right side was punctured. Well, right side, yes, right side. This one, right side. Right. It was punctured. Oh, so you had surgery for the lungs. To, to clean that up. Yeah, they just had to put a hole in. I had to get three different holes put in this side. Oh. And so put a tube in to drain out the fluid. So I had to get one in my lung and one behind my lung. It was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And how and long I was were, diagnosed with COVID. And you what? And I was diagnosed with COVID. Wow. And how long were you in the hospital? I was initially supposed to be there for two days. I ended up being there for eight days because the hospital I was at, they did not give me antibiotics. Um, they said I was COVID positive, so they put me in a COVID union unit, but they didn't treat me for COVID. So I got a tube in my lung. Mind you, you're supposed to get antibiotics anytime a yeah. foreign object yeah. is in your body. They never gave it to me. And then they're saying I'm COVID positive, but they're not giving me any type of treatment for it. So I'm basically got a tube in my lung and I'm just sitting and waiting. So by the third day, I catch a bronchitis infection. My lung has not inflated back. So, or, or whatever it's supposed to do. So now they're like, you're declining. And they're saying it's COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. And I'm like, ain't no way it's COVID. I'm totally healthy. Now I, I'm dealing with a puncture lung. And now you're telling me I'm declining because of COVID to the point that I was on 60% oxygen. 60%. That's a lot. Yeah. So I ended up making phone calls to some pastors I knew. Uh, uh, Papa Che, Shea Ann from um, Harvest International Ministries and Mark Little, he was someone who had prayed with the president and I'm calling him crying and I'm like, they're trying to kill me <laughs> they're trying to kill me, they want to kill me and I'm telling y'all, me, please so then the next day, they give me a new doctor, the new doctor puts me on antibiotics, subscribes me with all the things I need for COVID I don't even think COVID was the issue They once they put me on the antibiotics my lung inflated back yeah. they drained out the back of my lung, I was good but if I had not made that phone call, Jesse I would have ended up on a ventilator and I would have died and they would have put on my death certificate COVID, yeah. even though I puncture lung Amazing, what was their excuse for not giving you antibiotics? That's just common sense, I mean that should have happened We don't see any infection If we, we only give antibiotics if we think there's a sign of infection What? That's what the, that's what they said to me. That's what they said. Did you think at any point you were going to die after you realized you had been stabbed? Um, I thought I was going to die when I was headed to the hospital. Um, when I got to the hospital, I realized, okay, this is okay. But then as I stayed there longer and I seen how these doctors was playing with me, yeah. I started to think, they're trying to kill me. <laughs> it's a setup. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I had to get out of there. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're doing so. You're doing well now. You've every, uh, the body is healed and you're doing well. I'm doing well. My lungs are a little slow still. I'm trying to get them back where I used to have them. I used to could just run like no problem. Now I'm like a little slow, but I'm getting back. So oh good, I'm 
Thank God. And did they catch the, the, the people who stabbed you? You The thing is, it's D.C. And it's just another typical crime. <clears throat> so I believe I was just another situation, you know. I was driving down the road, and this doesn't compare to nothing you've gone through, but I was driving down the road, and I stopped at a red light, and a bunch of cars both ways, and some people walking across the road, an old white man was walking, just walking, he didn't know the people, and out of nowhere, a black male came up and just knocked him flat out in the streets. He's no, just not, and, and I was stunned. I had never seen that in real life before, and it broke my heart. And so I went down the road and I turned around to go back to help the man. And I asked, why did that guy do that? He's like, I don't know. He just came out of nowhere and did that. I have no idea. The guy's nose was bleeding because he fell down on his face. I offered him a ride, but he had called his family members to come and get him. And I told him, I said, man, you better be careful because these black people hate white people now. And they're getting getting away with it. I said, you better watch yourself. But it was totally different than seeing it on TV or hearing about it. When you see it in person, it has a different effect. Old white guy, I mean, so old he wouldn't have hurt anyone. And he just walking across, had a bag in his hand. And this young male looked like in the late 20s, maybe 30s, and just knocked the guy out for no, and just took off. Now, okay, if that white guy was strapping and popped him in his head, <laughs> now he would have been a criminal, right? Yeah. Because I mean, it's like, that's what they want. Yeah. They, that's what they're asking for. You can't keep doing stuff like that and think you're not going to reap, reap in the streets. You, now, one of these old guys is going to be packing a 38 and you going night-night. Was it worth it? I'm telling you. So I want I got to put you on the hot seat. We're running out of time. But I want to ask, if someone asks you what's wrong with black people, wh- what would it take to for them to recover? What would you say? They need to stop being emotional. And they need to start using common sense. And they need to put kingdom over culture. Yeah. All right? It can't just be about being black. Yeah. Stop stereotyping yourself and then expecting others not to stereotype you. Not all black people eat fried chicken and watermelon. Not all people shake their butt and twerk to Beyonce. Uh, we're more than just a skin color. Yeah. And it's time for us to critical think. Absolutely. So, audience, it's time for me to heat up this interview. I got to throw my guests on the hot seat. I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. All right? The Are white people uh, responsible for black people's problems? No. Is the earth flat? No. Is the love of money the root of all evil? Very much so. Does the Illuminati exist? Yes. Given the opportunity, would you travel to the moon? No. Because <laughs> you know white people are making a brand new city up there, right? A, a, a brand new country on the moon. Um, Good luck. <laughs> who caused more divorces, men or women? Oh, man, that's a hard one. Some them women can be devils sometimes, but men be tripping too. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just read a report on my show. It says more women cause them now than men. Right now, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say right now in this, in this Jezebel era, women is signing their own death, death certificates or divorce certificates to their relationship. Uh, yeah. 100%. Do you have, and men are letting it happen. Yeah. Do you have privilege? Do I have privilege? Yes. 
Absolutely. Have you ever visited Mommy Africa? Yes. In one word, describe Camilla Harris. The devil. Oh, <laughs> no, that's not one word. Uh, dang, I can't. I can't do one word. Evil. Liar. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, have you ever dated a slut maker? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is a man? Oh man, a leader. What is love? Uh, loyalty. Did you have fun? Yeah, I did. Did you? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Amazing. It was, I have to tell you, this was mind-blowing discussion. I told really? you. Yeah, I told It was deep. It was really deep. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. I don't find too many females who are deep, but you were deep. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. And oh, oh, late brothers. To all the brothers out there, I'm single, and I'm looking for my own great white hope. So, uh... <laughs> Can you please put my email down there so I can give me a nice, beautiful, great white coat? Amen. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the hot seat. And I wanted you to give out your contact information, whatever information you want to give out. Okay, so you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Just look up Bevel and Beauty. You will find my page. And I also want you guys on a serious tip. Go to my website at well ministries with a i-e-s at well dot org okay and i want you guys to sign up for my email list so that you can be a part of our interactive bible study and get any updates on what we're doing because we might end up in the city near you praising the lord amazing beverly you really are amazing and there were a lot of folks wanted to have you on it. I'm glad that we did it. And I truly enjoyed having this discussion. God bless God bless you. And, and be safe out there. Don't be letting these black people stab you. We need you around. Amen. And I'm <laughs> hopefully going to see you soon. Maybe you'll connect with Rusty and we can give a flip and get together and we can really meet and have some fun. That would be a real party. Thank you. Yep. And God bless you. Be safe out there, all right? You too. All Bye. Right. Bye now. Thank you folks for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, tweet, subscribe, share, ring the bell, ring my bell, ring my bell. And don't forget to visit our store. Our merch is amazing. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh Let me hear from you, and thank you for your support. Next time on The Fallen State. I grew up in, in conservatism, in this culture that sort of lied to me and took all my money. <laughs> <laughs> Who were you closest to growing up, your father or your mother? Probably my mom. She's just compassionate and easy. She came from the man's rib, right. but she and, was and made in the image of God. No, she made in the image of man. Mm -mm. That's BS. I thought you were like super conservative morally, and Trump ain't it, dude. The way he talks to people. And what made white people white supremacists? Because we're in a culture where white people have always been in charge. Which is the better way to rise up? In the grace of God or bullying white people? We're not exceptional as Americans. We're not special. All I've ever wanted is love and justice for everyone. And you probably won't meet very many people as loving as I am.
Thanks for watching The Fallen State. We need your continued support. Donate to my nonprofit here. Subscribe and like the videos here. And tell everybody and their mama about the show. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Amen. Yeah.